welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Hi, everybody. It's nice to be here tonight. Um, Let's pray and let's get into the Word. Are you ready? Let's do this. Lord, thank you so much for your presence in our lives. Lord Jesus, the riches, Lord, of, of, Lord, just being in you. Lord God, the steadfast love and mercy, Lord, that it's new every morning, Lord Jesus, your faithfulness, God, your loving kindness, Lord, it comes in like a flood. And Lord Jesus, we are just, we're just rich today in Christ. And so, Lord, I just, re- we just rejoice in that this morning. And God, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity of being here to open up your word. I thank you, Lord, that it's your word that breaks the yoke. It's your word that looses the bonds. It's your word that sets people free. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give great encouragement tonight, Lord. Lord, there are people here that need to know, Lord, that it's not over. And I just pray in your name, God, that you would use me, Lord, uh, in spite of all my weaknesses and frailties, to bring your word to your people tonight. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Well, folks, tonight the message I'm going to bring to you is called, It Is Not Over. Can I get an amen in the house? Isn't that good news? It's not over. So we're going to be going to 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, you can turn there. And as you turn there, I want to tell you, I want to bring you back to uh, 2013. Uh, in 2013, the Miami Heat and the uh, San Antonio Spurs were battling it out in game six of the NBA finals. And it got down to the wire, folks. I don't know if you've ever watched a a match or a game where things get to the wire, but it got to the wire. So on one side of the the ball, we had LeBron James, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade. On the other side, we had the wily veteran, Tim Duncan, and it was all, I see Mike knows what I'm talking about in the back there, and it was all, is this going to, you know, uh, are the Spurs going to do it? Are they going to knock off LeBron and his super team? And it was looking like that. It was looking like that's exactly what was going to happen. It got down to the last few moments of the game, and the Miami Heat were down. And so the Miami Heat were playing in the uh, American Airlines arena, and most of the Miami fans decided that the game was over. It was a foregone conclusion. So most of them got up and began to exit the arena. Most of them actually left the arena. And simultaneously, at the same time, the San Antonio Spurs arena staff were bringing the uh, championship regalia. So the NBA teams that win always get a hat and t-shirts. The champagne was about to be popped, all the rest of it. It was a foregone conclusion, folks. It was over. San Antonio had won or had they? So what ended up happening was Chris Bosch got a rebound, threw it out to Ray Allen, who made a three-point shot from the corner of the court and pushed Miami over the top, and they won. Now, the American Airlines arena wouldn't let in the Miami uh, fans who had left. Wouldn't let them back in. 
and you can go on eBay and you can actually buy the San Antonio uh, championship uh, merchandise uh, that was supposed to go out but didn't end up going out as a novelty. You know, it's funny, folks. Sometimes in life, it can really feel like it's over. It can really feel like it's a foregone conclusion. There are circumstances and situations in our lives that can seem so over the top, over the line finished that we get up and walk away from a circumstance or a situation, kind of like the Miami fans. But I want to tell you today that when you serve Jesus, when you walk with God, it's never over. Amen. It's never over. So funnily enough, Ray Allen, who made the shot, played a character called Jesus Shuttlesworth in a movie about 10 years earlier. So it's a funny thing. When you've got Jesus on your team, even when it looks like you're at the brink of victory, it's never over. And that's what I want to tell you tonight. That's what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to deliver to your hearts tonight. You see, folks, we are entirely too quick to accept the finality of death. I'm saying death now, but what I mean, and I'm going to break it down. Folks, things come into our lives, things die, things fall apart, and it's a type of death. And we are so quick to accept it. But we are to have a confidence tonight that flows from our relationship with Jesus. And I hope you're almost at 2 Kings 4. I want to read a uh, quote to you tonight too. For the Christian, death is not the end of the adventure, but a doorway from a world where dreams and adventures shrink to a world where dreams and adventures forever expand. So for the Christian, death is not the destination. Death is a stop on the way to a place where dreams and adventures expand forever and ever and ever. Amen. So I want to ask you again tonight as we get into the text, is it really over? Is it really? For the Christian, death is just the beginning. There is an ultimate reality. One day you and I will die. Our bodies will be committed into the earth, but 1 Corinthians 15 tells us our bodies will not stay there. We will be sowed uh, perishable, but raised imperishable. We will experience a bodily resurrection. But can I tell you tonight, resurrection is more than just an ultimate reality. It is a continued principle in the lives of us as Christian people. You will experience a thousand resurrections in your life. A thousand impossible situations restored and brought back through nothing less than the supernatural. This is the inheritance of you and I as Christian people. Remember, for the Christian, we will die and we will rise. But also, we should know that even our hopeless situations that seem final aren't. Instead, they are the Lord's way of telling us that we're passing through a doorway into something greater. Can I get an amen tonight? Hallelujah. It's our right to rise. It's our right to look beyond what seems to be dead or dying to something greater that God will bring us into. One more time tonight. Is it 
Is it over? Your marriage? That child you're rearing who just won't turn the corner? Maybe you're asking tonight, will things ever be different? Many of us have bought what death is selling. We have absorbed that message that death says to us, it's over and it will never change. And I just want you to know that God has something different to say about your situation. God has something different to say about what you believe is final and finished and over. And you might be walking away from the American Airlines arena to your car, but I want you to know Jesus is about to make the game-winning shot. Can you receive it tonight? Can you believe it tonight? So 2 Kings chapter 4, and we're going to read the text. I'm going to read from verse 8 through verse 37. It's a lot of Bible tonight, but we're all up for it, aren't we? Yes, amen. And then I want to look at two things. I want to look at what to do when it seems like everything is over. And then I want to look at a source of confidence that we can walk in, in the face of things when they seem final. Say it to me with me one more time. It is not over. Praise the Lord. Let's go. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 8. And with all my talking, I actually didn't turn there yet, but I have a handy yellow bookmark. And so here we are. Amen. So uh, I'll give you a little bit more context um, after I do the reading, but from verse chapter 8, uh, from verse uh, four, chapter 4, verse 8. One day, Elisha went to, on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold, now I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, a lamp, so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. One day he came there and he turned into the chamber and rested there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him and he said to her, say now to her, see, you have taken all this trouble for us. What is it to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. He said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway and he said, at this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servants. But the woman conceived and she bore a son uh, about that time, the following spring, as Elisha had said to her, hallelujah. When the child had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers. And he said to his father, Oh, my head, my head. And the father said to his servant, carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him up and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap till noon, and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, send me one of those servants and one of the donkeys that I might go quickly to the man of God and come back again. And he said, why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, all is well. 
And then she saddled the donkey and she said to her servant, urge the animal on, do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her coming, she said to Gehazi, his servant, look, there is the Shunammite. Run at once to meet her and say to her, is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? And she answered, all is well. And when she came to the mountain, to the man of God, she caught hold of his feet and Gehazi came to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone for she is in bitter distress and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then she said, did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, do not deceive me? He said to Gehazi, tie up the gar your garment and take my staff in your hand and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not reply and lay my staff on the face of the child. Then the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was no sound or sign of life. Therefore, he returned to meet them and told them the child is not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, he saw the child lying dead on his bed. So he went and shut the door behind the two men and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself upon him and the flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again and walked uh, once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. Then the, he summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. And, she, and, he, and so he called her. And when she came to him, he said, pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. They picked up her son and went out. What an amazing story tonight. It's not over. Hallelujah. It's not over. It's not over. You know, just looking briefly at some of the context, just looking at the first few verses that we read tonight, I want to make a point to you. Making room for the presence of God in your life can open up the door to the supernatural. See, she took her resources and decided not to just spend them on herself, but to bless the kingdom. She recognized that he was a man of God. She had discernment and she had generosity. And so she cast her bread on the waters. She just gave out of what she had. You know, some commentators say that the things she set out in the room were reminiscent of the temple. So it was as if she was inviting Elisha, who was a picture of the presence of God, into the temple of her life. And so she brought him in. She just blessed as she had been blessed. She had needs. She had desires. She had money, she drove a Range Rover, she had nothing to worry about, amen. Yet she had a need that money couldn't buy. She wanted a child. She wanted a child. Yet that was not the first thing that came out of her mouth when Elisha sent Gehazi to ask, what can we do for you? She thought she was just doing something for God. She had no idea that she was just opening a door to more than the man of God, but the supernatural power of God in her life. A divine story. 
a supernatural thread that would stretch through this chapter and actually into chapter 8, which we'll touch on by the end of tonight. Let me say this to you tonight. Bless how you've been blessed and you will be blessed. Amen. Luke 6, 38 says, press down, shaking together, running over. Give as you've been given. Be generous to the kingdom. God is no man's debtor. She had no idea she was stepping into the supernatural. Amazing. Amazing. And yet, and yet, and yet, like for so many of us, tragedy struck. Difficult days came. Folks, I hate to say it to you, but I think you may already suspect your life will be a mixture of days where you're on the mountain and days when the mountain is on you. They're all mountaintop experiences. Just sometimes the mountain is on you. And she was given a miracle that she didn't ask for. She was given a miracle that she didn't expect. Maybe you know something about that. Maybe you've got a miracle baby. I have two miracle babies. I've got two children that are miracles. They're both miracles. God saved my son's life. He had his umbilical cord tied around his neck five times. Had the doctors not have done what they did under what I believe is that was the chiding and leading of the Holy Spirit, our son wouldn't be here today. We didn't know what was growing on our daughter's ovaries. We thought she would have to have surgery as soon as she was born. They're both at home driving my wife mad today. I know something about miracles. I think that you might as well. I think that you might too. But time passed and the child grew. And one day the child went to the reapers, out to the reapers, to see his father. And he began to have pain in his head. Most commentators think the child had sunstroke. But all of a sudden that miracle child grew up and began to have problems began to have issues. And the father, it's interesting, the son son went to the father. The son recognized the father's responsibility. He went to his daddy first, but his daddy just passed him off to his mother. I have to tell on myself tonight, folks, as I was preparing this message, I felt chided in my spirit. Because my wife has come to me more than once with concerns about our children. And and I've sort of passed them off. I'm busy, tired, busy doing ministry, busy doing other things. And she was left ultimately to hold on to her child and watch the child die. Fathers, listen to me. Do not leave your wives to hold on to a terminal situation. Don't be absent in your hearts, in your minds. Don't be busy prioritizing other things. And watch and leave your wife to watch something die in your child. Watch something die in a situation. It's not easy to watch something die and not be able to do anything about it. For some of you, your miracle children who you used to bounce on your knee, who were once innocent and lovely, you've seen and you've watched that innocence die. You've watched your children make decisions, turn corners, lose things that you put inside of them. I want to tell you tonight that God is able to turn it around.
I want to tell you tonight that even if it seems like it's over and you are looking at a terminal situation and it may not be a child for you today, it may be another situation that you have found yourself dealing with, coping with, addressing on your own, I want you to know that God is on the job. I want you to know that he's faithful. I want you to know that God is going to do something in your situation. But this is what happened. She was left with a terminal situation. I want to turn to verse 21 now. And so if you're there tonight and you are dealing with something that's terminal or it's dead, it's, as they say, the horse is bolted. As you know, we talk about scrambling eggs and you can't unscramble eggs. Maybe that's what you're looking at tonight. I want to give you, I want to look at this woman's life and I want to give you some of the things that she did when she was faced with this impossible situation that it didn't seem, it didn't seem there was any way it could change or turn. The child died. And here's some things that she did. Are you ready? I'm just going to do it. No one said, yeah, but I'm just going to go for it. Verse 21, the Bible says she went to the room that she had made, that she'd arranged for the prophet, and she lay her son there, and she closed the door. Folks, I want you to think about that. Before I even begin to comment, I want you to think about that. The boy died, and she had to carry him up the stairs, and she had to lay him in that bed, and she had to close the door and and walk down those stairs. Folks, let me tell you, that was no little thing. This isn't just a story. That was a person, but she did it. But I want to tell you tonight, and this is the first thing. When the miracle dies, if you're looking at something that's died, don't fear. Don't fear. Go back to the source. Go back to the source. She'd experienced a tremendous loss. She brought the body of the boy to the place where she had received the miracle. Back to the man of God, to the bed of the man of God. So what do we do when that thing dies? What do we do when that situation goes terminal? When there's nothing else we can do in our own strength in the natural, bring it back to the place it was birthed. In laying it down on Elisha's bed, she recognized something. It took a miracle to get him and it would take a miracle to get him back. So she went back to the source. If he gave it to me, maybe I shouldn't be so quick to see it as hopeless. It came by grace and by goodness and by mercy. So I'm going back to the same grace and goodness and mercy to get it back. He's still good. I said he's still good, folks. Don't let something dying on you cause you to question the nature of our God, his character, his goodness and mercy and grace. He's still good. It died, but he's still good. That thing has flown the coop, but he's still good. And so she brought it back. She brought it back. She, in effect, put it back into his hand. As if to say, Lord, you gave this to me and there's nothing I can do to keep it. It came from your hand and I'm placing that situation back into your hands. And folks, 
you don't know. Can you, if you can rise in faith tonight and put that dead thing back in the hands of the one who gave it to you, I want to encourage you. She was not burying her son. She was planting her son in the hands of God. It wasn't unto death, but life, not unto burial, but resurrection. She wasn't preparing him for death when she put him on the prophet's bed, but for resurrection. Folks, if it's dead, put it back in the hands of God. When you put it back in his hands, it's just the beginning. For this woman, death was just the beginning. For this woman, it wasn't the end. It was just the start. The second thing, verse 22 through 24, she went to her husband. She recognized as well as her son, she recognized that her, her father, her, the man had a responsibility. Husbands, you and I have a responsibility. He had a responsibility. And instead, all he could do was respond and question, what, what, what are you going to the man of God for? It's not new moon. It's not Sabbath. It's not Sunday. It's not Wednesday. What are you going to go? What, 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 what do you mean pray? I'm busy. That was the husband's response, folks. And I, I want to give you the second thing tonight. Sometimes you have to take up a mantle that never should have been yours. Wives, some of you know what I mean. You've got husbands, but they're just not there spiritually. I'm not here to hammer on husbands. I'm not here to beat up on husbands. But there are women in this house tonight and you know what it is to carry the mantle. You know what it is to take up the spiritual mantle of leadership that the scriptures prescribe for the man in the home. I want to encourage you tonight. Do not let the spiritual state of those around you tell you what's possible. Don't let the spiritual state of those around you tell you what's possible. Because of a void of biblical fatherhood in the home, she was left holding that situation. And men, I want you to think, there's no absenteeist fathers in the kingdom of God. She went to her husband who didn't see the importance. It wasn't new moon. It wasn't Sabbath. It wasn't Sunday morning. It wasn't Wednesday night. What are you talking to me about God for? And what was her response? all as well. She didn't engage it. She didn't try and, and tussle and try and bring him on. She didn't try and correct his mentality. Instead, she just, she didn't, she wasn't disrespectful. She didn't dishonor her husband, but instead she simply picked up the mantle and did what she knew she needed to do. That's what she did. Don't worry about all is well. You just go about what you're doing. I know my God is able. I know my God can do it. Verse 24 and 25, she went to the man of God herself to intercede for her child, not to wait for her husband to do what he should have already been doing. I'm bringing this to the feet of Christ 
God, you gave me this child. You gave me this promise and only you can help me. I'm not waiting for my spouse. I'm not waiting for that other person to get on board, to get on page. I know who you are and I know the power of prayer. I've got two knees and one mouth. I'm getting on my knees and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray into that situation. I'm not waiting. I'm going to you, God. I know you'll receive me. Only you can help me. And the scriptures say she saddled up and she went in haste to Mount Carmel. And the prophet Elisha saw her coming and sent his servant Gehazi ahead. Go ask her, how is she? How is she? How is her son? How is her husband? The grace of the prophet He'd had more than one meal at the house. I think he was well aware of who she was married to. But still, ask, how are they? And the scriptures say that when she was posed with those questions by Gehazi, she responded again, all is well. All is well. And the third thing I want to say to you, if it seems like it's over tonight, don't settle for Gehazi. Don't settle for Gehazi. She didn't settle for Gehazi, for a representative. Pastors and leaders are wonderful. I am one. They're wonderful. But she wanted an audience with the king herself. She wanted a word for herself. How many of us have stopped short, looked to a leader rather than hearing from God for ourselves? How many of us have settled for Gehazi? She had a confidence in her God. She knew that she would be granted an audience with the one who gave the miracle. So she wasn't looking to the left and the right for a word. She knew where to go. She wouldn't bring the feet of the problem to the feet of anyone else. Is that holy determination in you tonight? Sometimes it's not in me. I look to the left and I look to the right for a word. what, what, What do I do? Where do I go? And all the while, there is free access. There is a throne of grace and mercy that I can approach in time of need. He's just a shout away. He is just a shout away. Pastors are wonderful. Leaders are wonderful. They can pray. We can pray for you. We can love on you. We can walk with you. But nothing replaces hearing from God for yourself in the situation you're in. And he has a word for your situation. Remember, it's not over. Death is speaking over your situation, but so is the Most High. Go nearer if you can't hear. We need to know where true power lies. Amen. Where the seat of authority really is. We need to know. We need to get our Karen on. Our spiritual Karen on. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the manager. Can I get an amen? I'm not talking to you. Assistant manager. I'm talking to the manager. I'm doing it. I, if I had time to tell you the story about me sitting uh, on the floor in CompuB, uh, I would tell it, but I've already told it from the pulpit, so I won't again. But there's power when you know your rights, when you know that you have access, when you know that you can speak to the manager and you have his ear, you're not interested treating with commoners, <laughs> treating with floor staff. I'm talking to your manager. We need to have it. We won't settle for Gehazi. Amen. 
Thank God for pastors and leaders, but we will be a people who hear from God for ourselves. Amen. Verse 30, 28 and 30, and then through 32 to 35, this amazing healing happens. She runs to the prophet. She throws her arms around him. And Gehazi tries to push her off. I suppose she was right to maybe not open up. Amen. Gehazi tries to push her off. But the prophet says no. And Gehazi sent ahead already with the staff to try and implement the healing by proxy. But the woman says, I'm not going anywhere without you. Folks, we have to begin to petition for the presence in our situation. We need to, begin, we need to petition, Lord, unless you touch it. Lord, unless you come. Oh, the whole of Cork Church can lay hands. We need your presence. We need you. I need you, Lord. I need you to come. And he's so gracious and merciful. He's so kind. He's willing to come. Amen. I'll come with you. I'll come with you. This, folks, this is the gospel. Do you see it? We don't have to go to a mountaintop God and then depart from the mountaintop and go back and live in the valley on our own. We meet a God on the mountain who comes with us into the valley. Power and presence, anointing. It comes with us. Goodness and mercy following us into the death, into the valley of the shadow of death. There's one who follows, one who comes along, one whose rod and staff are a comfort and a guide to us. Hallelujah. I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. I will not fear death. I will not fear that this is the end. And she petitioned and the prophet came and did a lot of weird things that I can't fully get into because I don't have time. But there is one thing I want to focus on tonight, folks. The Bible says that he lay on the boy mouth to mouth, mouth to mouth. And I was asking the Lord tonight, well, what does that mean? And the Lord just showed me. 1 Corinthians 5, 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 54. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Elisha came to the boy, lay on him, opened his mouth, and in a sense swallowed up the death that held the boy. It's a picture of the gospel. Hallelujah. Death swallowed up in victory. Swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. Isaiah. See, Paul in 1 Corinthians is quoting two verses and he sticks them together. The first is Isaiah 25 verse 8. He will swallow up death forever. This is our God. And the Lord God will wipe away every tear. <sighs> Come on, is there somebody in here who needs to hear this? Is there somebody in here who needs to hear that it's not over? That there's one who will swallow up death in victory? Oh, that finality, that sense that there's nothing to be done, that sense that the stone is rolled over the tomb and it's finished. It's not going to change. 
that child is never going to change. That relationship will never change. It will never improve. There's one who has come who can swallow it up in victory. That's who he is. He will wipe every tear from our faces. Folks, are you beginning to see it? Because he gave the boy back to her mother, his mother. And the reproach of his people he will take away from the earth. For the Lord has spoken. Hallelujah. This passage in Isaiah is a picture of what God would do in restoring Israel from Babylonian captivity. And it talks about it happening on Mount Zion. Some translations say it include Mount Zion. And it's the idea, folks, that on Mount Zion, on a hill called Calvary, on a hill called Calvary, God Almighty swallowed up death at the cross of Jesus Christ. Ever since death ran through the veins of Jesus Christ, who is life essential, it is destroyed or swallowed up like a bee dies when, it has, when the sting has left the wound. It's a quote. And the sting of death is in the hand of Jesus Christ tonight. Death has no ability to sting or land a sting. Once the bee stings, it can sting no more. And Jesus Christ has taken the sting of death upon himself. The second part of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul quotes, is from Hosea 13, verse 14. It says in the New Living Translation, God is speaking. Should I ransom them from the grave? Should I redeem them from death? Oh, death, bring on your terrors. Oh, grave, bring on your plagues or other translations. Oh, death, where is your sting? For I will take no pity on them. Folks, this is God Almighty speaking to death. I will bring on your terrors. Bring up, where is your sting? God is taunting death and the finality of death. The finality of it. He's taunting it. And he's saying, I will have no mercy on death. Folks, hear me on this. There is a source of confidence today. Something I believe the Shunammite understood that we have forgotten. Jesus will not leave death unchallenged. He won't. He won't let death finish its sentence. He will not let death have the final word. What is speaking over your family today? What is, what is death saying over the circumstance today? What is death saying to you today? Jesus will not allow death have the final word. It will not go unchallenged. In your marriage in your relationship, your health, your finances, your future. Our God hates death. He delights in resurrection and showing his victory over death. Why are we so slow to believe in the God of resurrection life? That's why we don't bring things to him. That's why we're so quick to just believe that it's over when circumstances tell us it's over. When, when the medical report comes, when the doctor's prognosis comes and they tell us it's over, we just believe it. We've lost sight in who our God is. We've lost sight in his desire to bring forth resurrection life. 
Why do we not bring the things that need to be raised up to the God who loves to raise them up? As if it's not his desire, as if it's not his delight to show victory over death one more time by raising that thing back to life. Have no doubt tonight. God wants to give it back to you. Can I get an amen? I want to give it back, I want to, give it back to you, restore it to you as a further demonstration of his victory over death. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. You, you give God the right to define what resurrection looks like in your life, but it's not over. Amen? God will define what resurrection looks like, but like we said at the beginning of this message, the principle is that death or impossible situations are now doorways into greater and wider places. Hallelujah. I'd like to turn in completion, uh, to complete tonight, I'd like to look at John chapter 11. See, the Shunammite knew something about her God that we must rediscover. She had a secret that we have, we too often miss. She knew the God that she served. She knew with Jesus, it isn't over. It's never over. He will always confront death. He will always challenge its claims. In John chapter 11, it's such a familiar story. We won't, we won't read it tonight, but I want to look at a few particular verses because as before we end, I want to just unpack this a little bit more. The God who will always challenge death, always challenge the claims of death in your situation. The Bible says that there was a man called Lazarus. He had a sister, Mary, another Martha. He was from a town called Bethany and news came to Jesus and the disciples that he'd become sick. And then Jesus waited for four days. Folks, he gave death a head start. <laughs> Do you love it? Death, do your worst. I'll give you a head start. Four days. And what does he say here in John chapter, in, in John 11 verse 4? He tells his disciples, this illness, it doesn't lead to death. It doesn't lead to death. But it's for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. See, this is the definition of resurrection the glory of God, and that the Son of God would be glorified through it. God doesn't define re resurrection by circumstance when he gives it back to you. It's the glory. It's the glory of God. That's the underpinning reality that God, that, that will always define the circumstances of, of God's resurrection. So listen, it doesn't lead to death. And there's two things I want to show you tonight that anger the Son of God about death as we close that anger him and the bible says in john 11 verse 33 when jesus saw her weeping and the jews who had come with her also weeping he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled so i want you to imagine the scene jesus is at the graveside of lazarus and he can see the grief he can see the brokenness he can see the result of separation unnatural separation, natural, unnatural separation. And the Bible says in, the, in, in this translation that he was deeply moved and troubled. Folks, that is a poor translation of what the text actually says. 
The text actually says that in the original language, Jesus snorted with anger. His response to death, to the grief, to the heartbreak, to the loss, to the confusion was anger. That's his response, folks. You need to understand this tonight. When we go through some of these emotions, as we deal with some of these situations and the type of of hopelessness and death that can touch our lives, God is angry. He doesn't like it, folks. I don't know how to overstate it. He snorted with anger. This is not right in the heart of God. Something moved in the heart of Jesus. He, could, he, he was moved in his heart. This is wrong. This is not my way. This is not my design. This is not my divine plan. I must challenge this. I will challenge this. That's our Savior, folks. Oh, just in case you think he's up there indifferent to what you're experiencing. That same word is used again in verse 38. This time it's not death's effects, but it's death's boast. The Bible says in verse 38, he looks at Lazarus' tomb and sees a stone rolled over it. That's the false claim, the boast of death. And the Bible says again, he snorted with anger at the arrogance of death to dare roll a stone over a man's situation. The arrogance of death to say for Lazarus it was over. And it, it brought anger to the, to the heart of the Son of God. Do you know today God has something different to say? Death is saying it's over and the stone is rolled over and that's it. But the Son of God is rising up in anger. And he's coming to the tomb, righteous anger. He's coming to the tomb to speak a word, to call you out, to turn death upside down. Our Savior, our Savior is a resurrector. Come back to it. Come back to it. He delights to bring back what was lost. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that women receive back their dead by resurrection. That's the church. That's you and me. He is resurrection. The Shunammite knew it and it filled her with confidence. That's why death wasn't the end. She knew who she was serving. Do you tonight? He is the resurrection and the life. In fact, he spoke to Martha in verse 25. And he said to her, Martha, I am the resurrection. I tell you folks, until something dies on you, until something dies on you, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And folks, this is what the Holy Spirit would ask you tonight. Do you believe this? This is where we have to go again. You have let your circumstances speak as a proxy for death. 
and you know you think it's over just because you can't see any evidence of resurrection. You will never see evidence of resurrection. Our God is not a resuscitator. He is a resurrector. He doesn't come until it's over. He doesn't even show up until it's over. But once it's over, it's just the beginning. Do you believe again? Can you rise in faith tonight as we close again? He is the resurrection and the life. I don't come to him seeking resurrection. I don't come to him looking for resurrection. When I come to him, I come to resurrection. When I come into his presence, I am in the presence of resurrection. I am in the presence of one who will not allow death have the final say. So take heart, beloved, tonight as we close. Your children are not beyond the resurrector, not beyond his reach. That situation, your finances, your health, it's not beyond the reach of the one who took the sting of death the one who took it in himself, and it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to keep him in that grave. And if he will live, you will live in him. Will you stand with me tonight, please? Do you believe it? Do you believe he's the resurrection and the life? Martha knew it. The Shunammite knew it. Abraham knew it when he brought his son up Mount Moriah. Hebrews says that he reasoned that God would rather raise him from the dead than break a promise. Do you believe in the resurrection and the life tonight? And I want to encourage you as we close, as we pray. The Bible says in chapter 8 that Gehazi was in a conversation with the king. And the king was asking, tell me about the works of Elisha. And as Elisha was talking about how he, as Gehazi was talking about how Elisha had risen the Shunammite's son from the dead, the Shunammite walked in the very door of the palace seeking uh, to petition the king for her land and for her home again. You see, folks, the greatest testimony isn't what God can give you. It's what God can give back to you. It's not what God can give you. It's what God can bring back from the dead and give back to you. These are the greatest testimonies that we can carry into the future. You don't know what resurrection will mean for the people around you in the days and weeks and months and seasons to come. You will have a story of resurrection, not what God simply gave to you. God can give, and people get pregnant all the time, but only God can give you a dead baby back. People, people, all sorts of things happen all the time, but only God can give you back something that was dead. That's the greatest testimony tonight. Lift your hands with me. Lift your hands with me. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands. Begin, begin to bless the Lord. Just begin to bless the Lord tonight. If you have an impossible situation, if you have an impossible situation, a situation that's beyond hope, children beyond reach, finances that won't turn around, medical situations that are beyond you, beyond any doctor. You need to know again that you serve the resurrection and the life. 
and he will not allow death have the final say. Lord Jesus, I pray that there would be a restoration of faith in this house in the name of Jesus. Oh God, that we would see again that Lord, you are, it is not your design. It is not your design. Death cannot have the final say. Death will not have the final say. Give us the grace to believe, Lord, that you can bring that child back. Oh, you can bring them back out of the world. You can bring them out of that situation. You can bring that spouse out of spiritual coldness. You can bring that spouse back out of spiritual apathy. You can turn around. You can restore the years that the locust has eaten. Oh God, that is who you are. That is who you are. You will push back the claims of, the, of death and hell and the enemy one more time. You will have the final say. You are God of gods. You are the Lord. All, you are God Almighty. Hallelujah tonight. Oh, we will return in faith. We will trust in the name of our God. Our resurrector is resurrecting us tonight. Can you receive it? Lift your hands just a few more moments as we close the service. Can you receive it? Holy Spirit, just begin to work now. Spirit of grace, spirit of power, will you just touch lives? Oh God, give comfort. Give comfort. Nothing is hopeless when Jesus is on your team. Give comfort, oh God. Thank you tonight, Lord. It's not over. 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 You can bring them back. You'll meet them on the Damascus Road. You'll meet them at the very tomb that they're buried in. You will meet them. You are already on the way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah tonight. Glory to God tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, saints, give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com. Or just check out our website, www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.